All right, hello and welcome into episode 68 of Sports Talk on a Budget. Uh, it's going to be a little bit shorter of an episode. It's mainly going to be about the NFL Wild Card Weekend. So that's going to be my main topic here. Obviously, today is January 12th, my wife's birthday. So happy birthday to my wife. Obviously, it's a big day for me. But I um, want to go ahead and get into the topics. Like I said, main topic is going to be Wild Card Weekend. That's going to be the only topic of the show today. We're going to break down each Wild Card game, both in the NFC and AFC. I'll give you my total breakdown on the game the team who I think is going to win the game, and some of the keys to the games as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the show. So we're going to start off in the AFC. In the AFC, I'm going to start off with the 4-5 matchup, and what I think is going to be the most intriguing best matchup in the AFC wild card, and that is going to be the Jaguars at home hosting the number 5 uh, Los Angeles Chargers. And currently the Chargers are actually a favorite, even though they're on the road all the way on the other coast. They're one and a half point favorite in this game. Now, a couple of keys to look at. Obviously, this is the first playoff game for both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. Trevor Lawrence in his second year. Justin Herbert, obviously, in his third year. So, first playoff game for both. So, obviously, big expectations were on both of those quarterbacks coming out of uh, Oregon and Clemson. They both made it to the playoffs. Uh, Herbert, a little later than he probably should have. Probably should have been a playoff team last year. But either way, he's in it this year. And, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, with their just great play down the stretch, Win the AFC win the AFC South last week over the Tennessee Titans with that win at home on Saturday night and get into the playoffs. Um, big question mark here and kind of just kind of a weird scenario that happened last week. Mike Williams getting hurt in last week's game. Brandon Staley played the starters against the Broncos when they basically had nothing to play for. They were pretty much stuck in their position once the Ravens lost earlier in the day to the Cincinnati Bengals and. The Ravens lost before the Chargers game even started, or it was pretty close to the start, and it looked like they, they had pretty much lost the game early on in that game. Cincinnati owned that game up until the very end where the, the uh, Ravens made kind of a little bit of a run, but the game was never really in doubt. So the Chargers really never doubted that they were going to be the five seed. Either way, Brandon Staley puts all his starters out there. Justin Herbert played three quarters. Keenan Allen basically played the entire game. Austin Eckler played most of the game. Obviously, Mike Williams played in the game as well and got injured re-injured his uh, back injury from earlier in the season. So that was a big question mark there. Don't know what you're doing. I know that you don't want to kind of sit guys. Sometimes you want to worry about the rust versus rest factor. But still, I don't understand uh, playing Mike Williams, especially when he's been battling injuries. He would probably be a guy I would have sat last weekend. But either way, he gets hurt. He's questioned for the game. That is huge. Because obviously, when you look at this offense, it runs a lot through Justin Herbert. Now, Austin Eckler's been a stud, but he's also been a great addition in the receiving game as well which obviously involves herbert so can herbert have those uh, receiving weapons at his disposal obviously a keenan allen a mike williams a josh palmer a gerald everett his tight end and obviously austin Eckler out of the backfield without mike williams that does kind of diminish that receiving core and that puts more pressure on keenan allen and obviously justin herbert but keenan allen to get open and be that number one guy and he's going to get more double teams because now Mike Williams isn't on the other side. So that is a big question mark there. But both these teams are very hot down the stretch. The Chargers were 4-1 and one in their last five games. There only one loss coming on the road last week at Denver. It's not like they phoned it in. They played most of their starters almost all game. Some of their starters did play all game. And then you look at the other side, Jacksonville is 5-0 and oh in their last five games. 5-0 and oh in their last five games, that was obviously the major reason they were able to overtake the Tennessee Titans and win the AFC South. So both these teams come in red hot right now. So that is huge. Both average in defense, both middle of the pack, both in the teens and total defense, yards allowed, points allowed per game. However, the Chargers are getting healthier on the defensive side. 
Obviously, uh, Joey Bosa has come back, and he started to play. Jer- Derwin James is back in the lineup, and he's starting to play well. So they are starting to get healthier on the defensive side, and you can kind of see that down the stretch. They were playing better on the defensive side against the Dolphins. They played really well on the defense. Uh, they even played decent against the Broncos, even though they probably gave up more points than I thought they should have against the Broncos. Against the Tennessee Titans, they played well on defense as well. So playing well down the stretch and getting healthier. This game is pretty much toss up to me, and obviously Vegas kind of sees it that way as well a little bit. It's a one and a half spread, even though that is the road team with the spread. I'm going to roll with the Chargers here just because I trust Justin Herbert and this team. I think they're a little further along in this process than the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Jacksonville is a great story, winning uh, five games down the stretch, getting that AFC South title. Great story. I love the direction that Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are heading. I think, like I said, they're just a little ahead of schedule right now. I think they're going to be a team to reckon with down the stretch and could be a team if uh, Tennessee doesn't find the right quarterback, if Indianapolis doesn't find the right quarterback, and obviously the Houston Texans are still a mess. Could be a team that owns that division for a while, although it is Jacksonville, so you can never really have a lot of trust in them. But I like, like I said, Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, but I don't like their matchup this weekend. I think the Chargers are one of those teams that can make a sneaky run in the NFL playoffs. One of the teams, one of the dark horse teams that you think you could really have trust in making a run. Just because I love, obviously, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and I would love for Mike Williams to be healthy. I think he will be healthy, and I think he'll play. With that being said, like I said, I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Chargers minus one and a half to win and cover in Jacksonville and get a a playoff win. First one for Brandon Staley and, obviously, Justin Herbert as well. And like I said, we'll stay in the AFC and we'll go to the the 3-6 matchup, and that is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. And we just got news. It looked like it was going to be questionable or doubtful most of the week that Lamar Jackson was going to play. He just tweeted out and said himself that he is not going to be able to go be out there with his teammates, with his brothers, he said. It hurts him a lot. So that was the biggest question mark coming in this game. And that just kind of really tilts it in, obviously, even more into Cincinnati's favor. Cincinnati is a nine and a half point favorite. I actually think that spread's going to go up even more that now that Lamar Jackson has been officially ruled out, but I would have liked the Bengals whether Lamar Jackson played or not. Without Lamar Jackson, this offense is just not even near what it is. I mean, they were scoring over 25 points with Lamar Jackson in the fold. They're scoring about 16, 17 points a game without Lamar Jackson. And also backup Tyler Huntley, who's kind of like a poor man's Lamar Jackson, basically. Looks like he he did practice today, but he has questioned before the game. So it could be third stringer Anthony Brown. And in that scenario, I just don't like it at all. Even with Tyler Huntley, I don't like it at all. And like I said, even with Lamar Jackson, I still liked Cincinnati in this game. Now I love Cincinnati in this game. But Cincinnati, obviously a very good team. Made it to the Super Bowl last year. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Samaji P. Ryan. Just talent and skill all over the offensive position. But My question marks for them are going forward, not for this game specifically. I think they win regardless. But the biggest question mark I have for Cincinnati going forward is the offensive line. Both It looks like Alex Kappa, their guard that they got from Tampa Bay, is going to be out this weekend and could miss the playoffs if they make a deep run. Lyle Collins, their left tackle, is questionable for the game and could miss some time if he misses this weekend as well. So obviously, that was the biggest question mark for this team last year is could they protect Joe Burrow? Early on in the season, even though they had a new offensive line, it didn't look that way. But lately, they have been one of the best offensive lines down the stretch in the entire NFL. Joe Burrow has been one of the least hit quarterbacks down the stretch in the NFL. And that's something we may not have thought we would ever say because of how much he was hit last year. 
and that's just totally changed. But now with those injuries, that is that is a huge question mark. Like I said, not for this game in particular, but going forward, obviously they could go on the road to Buffalo next week and even further, obviously Kansas City, other matchups. That could really be a problem. But in this game specifically, I think the Ravens will, will give a valiant effort. They're obviously well coached under John Harbaugh. They're a good team, still a good defensive team. And it's not a team that you can't just roll out there and think you're going to win because they might be able to force some turnovers and they probably will still be able to get after Joe Burrow with the injuries on the offensive line. But just not enough offense they're going to be able to generate. So I like the Bengals in this one. And I think they cover. So I like the Bengals to win and cover that nine and a half point spread. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if this got to double digits by the time uh, kickoff uh, happened on a Saturday, on a Sunday, actually. And then we'll go to the 2-7 matchup, and this is going to be the last wild card matchup in the AFC, and that is going to be the Buffalo Bills at home facing the number seven Miami Dolphins. And the Buffalo Bills are currently a 13-point favorite in this game. Now, the storyline here is very similar to the storyline in the Cincinnati-Baltimore game is their starter, just like Lamar Jackson for the Ravens, Tua Tagovailoa is going to be out for this game. Is not going to be playing for the Miami Dolphins. And it looks like Teddy Bridgewater may be available, but he is questionable just like Tyler Huntley for the Ravens is. So it could be the third string quarterback. And that is obviously Skylar Thompson. He got the win last weekend against the Jets, but that win was no win to write home about. They end up winning that game 11 to 6. It was basically 9 to 6. They a little bit of pitchy pitchy woo woo on the last play for the New York Jets that turned into a safety for the New York Jets and made it 11 to 6, but basically a 9 6 game and pretty much an unwatchable game as I thought it would be with uh, Joe Flacco versus Skylar Thompson. So, Skylar Thompson has the task of going to Buffalo and trying to beat Buffalo in January in the playoffs. And obviously, Buffalo is still a team that's running a ton of momentum off of the DeMar Hamlin situation. Obviously DeMar Hamlin's gotten better and better. He was actually discharged from the hospital two days ago. So he is at his home and um, looks like the Bills are going to be able to see him before they even play this game. And there's an outside shot that he might be even, might be even at the game, that kind of momentum and that kind of uh, just feeling for the Buffalo Bills, they're going to be able to ride off of. And obviously you still look at that offense and they're unbelievable. Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, uh, even Gabriel Davis has gotten involved a little bit more lately. Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox has gotten involved a lot more lately as well. And the running game is starting to play better with guys like Singletary and James Cook. And then Naheem Hines has become just an absolute weapon for them in the special teams game. Ran back two kick returns last week against the Patriots. So that has become another weapon for them. This is a total mismatch. I just don't really see the Dolphins making this much of a game because of their quarterback situation. If Tua was there, if Tua was there, I would still like the Buffalo Bills in this game, but I think it could be a very tightening game. Obviously, we saw this game about three weeks ago on a Saturday in December where it was snowing by the end of the game, but was really cold, and the Dolphins gave the Bills all they could handle in that game, and Josh Allen had to kind of be Superman at the end of the game and bail out the Buffalo Bills. So I think this would have been a very good game if Tua was healthy, but that is not the case. Teddy Bridgewater is looks like he might not play the backup, so you go all the way down to Skyler Thompson. Valiant effort last week against the Jets, but just not a guy that you're going to be able to rely on week in and week out, especially there's a reason why he is a third-string quarterback and not even a second-string quarterback. So I just don't like their chances there. Good job for Miami getting into the playoffs. First year, Mike McDaniel, a team heading in the right direction, but a lot of question marks around uh, to attack of Iloa going forward. That'll be questions for them in the offseason, but... 
In this game, go ahead and give me the Bills minus 13. So I like the Bills to win and cover. So Bills minus 13 is a bet here. And that'll do it for the AFC. We're going to move over to the NFC. And we're going to start with the game on Saturday. And that is the 2-7 matchup. And that is the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Seattle Seahawks. And currently the 49ers are a 10-point favorite in this game. Obviously, the Seahawks needed some help and got some help Sunday night to get into the playoffs with the Detroit Lions going into Lambeau Field and beating the Packers. And that may, and that was able for the Seahawks who were able to win in overtime against the Rams earlier that day to get into the playoffs. But they may be going up against a juggernaut, a legit juggernaut. I mean, this 49ers team, they're getting healthier. Debo Samuel is back. They're healthier on the defensive side. I think they had four, three or four all pros on the defensive side. Obviously, uh, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Talanago Gufunga, their second-year player out of USC. He was an all-pro player as well. So this team is just stacked both on both sides of the ball. I mean, if you want to, obviously, if you want to look at their offense, you get Debo Samuel back, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and say what you want about Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, who's become very relevant and could be holding a Super Bowl trophy in about a month, which is crazy to think, but... Say what you want about him. He has played really good football, 5-0 as a starter, only has two interceptions in those five games. So it's protected the ball, played well, and has done exactly what uh, Kyle Shanahan and this 49ers team is asking of him. Go out there. Don't mess up the game. We have an unbelievable roster, both on the offensive and defensive side. All we need you to do is not screw things up. And he has done exactly that, and he's looked He's looked like their best quarterback that they've played this year. And they played uh, Trey Lance early on in the season. Then they played Jimmy Garoppolo after that. And then they played Brock Purdy these last five weeks. And in my opinion, and I've watched a decent amount of their games, I think Brock Purdy has looked like their best quarterback out of the three. And obviously no one thought that would be the case. You look at Seattle, just a great year. No one expects you to be here. They had about a 17% chance to make the playoffs going into the season. Obviously you make that huge trade with the Broncos to send uh, Russell Wilson there, and that has worked out well for them. Geno Smith had a career year and could be their starter for the next couple of years going forward, but they got a ton of draft capital. You still have a lot of good talent there, obviously, with uh, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. You got a lot of good contribution from young guys, especially uh, Kenneth Walker, some young guys on the defense that you drafted as well. So the future is bright for Seattle, but just to kind of break down this game, I know that the 49ers are 2-0 against the Seahawks, and it's hard to beat a team three times in one season, but I just don't see a path to victory for the Seahawks. I just don't. You think your path to victory would be, okay, get pressure, blitz, get pressure on uh, on Brock Purdy, and maybe you force him into a turnover or a mistake, but the Seattle team is not a team that blitzes a lot. They're not a team that generates a lot of pressure on the quarterback, so I don't see that path to victory there. Maybe you run the ball and you keep the ball away from this 49ers high-powered offense with all their weapons, but you're going up against maybe the best defense defense in the league. Do I trust Geno Smith in this offense? I know that they have good weapons, obviously, as I mentioned, Walker, Metcalf, Lockett, but do I trust them to be consistently good against this 49ers defense? I don't. I just don't. So, like I said, great story for the Seahawks. I think they've reached their ceiling. I don't think well, most people didn't think they would be a playoff team. They got to the playoffs. Obviously, they needed some help, but you get in the playoffs. That's all that matters. So hats off to Pete Carroll and the Seahawks for a great season. You know, proving all the doubters wrong, getting into the playoffs. But like I said, I think they've hit their ceiling here and they will lose this weekend to the San Francisco 49ers. So I like the 49ers in this game. 
And I think the 49ers win by double digits. So go ahead and give me the 49ers minus 10 in this game. I think they win and cover. Then we'll move to the 3-6 matchup. And I think this is the best matchup. Well, one of the best matchups of the entire weekend and one of the best matchups in the NFC as well. And that is the Minnesota Vikings at home hosting the New York Giants. And the Vikings are currently a three-point favorite in this game. Now, we saw this game three weeks ago in week 16. The uh, the Giants traveled to the Vikings, and that was actually one of Daniel Jones' best games. He only had one touchdown pass, but he threw for 348 yards. He was very efficient, and he was able to kind of exploit Minnesota's biggest weakness, which which is their pass defense and that secondary. And if he's able to do that again, I really like the Giants' chances in this game. Now, if you look at this Vikings team, they're the only 13-win team in NFL history, it feels like, to have a negative point differential. They were a team, they won, I think, 11 one-possession games, 11 or 12 one-possession games. So they were just kind of a lucky winning off, winning by the skin of their teeth team, just eking by and squeaking by in a lot of weeks. And I just, I feel like it's caught up to them. And they're not as good of a team as their record shows. I mean, if you saw them two weeks ago when they went to Lambeau, they got ran out of Lambeau Stadium and were absolutely just blasted by the Packers. And as I mentioned, that week 16 game, the Giants gave them all they can handle in Minnesota. I think the Giants are going to use that game as a blueprint and do a lot of the same thing. I think Daniel Jones is going to have a very good passing day. And I think um, Saquon Barkley is going to be able to be able to lean on Saquon Barkley at times as well. And he's going to be able to run the ball. This Vikings defense, not only are they susceptible in the back end and the secondary, their run defense isn't great as well. So that doesn't bode well when you're playing against a Saquon Barkley who was rested last week and is ready to go. This is going to be his uh, first playoff appearance as well. So I like the Giants in this matchup, if I would be honest. I think the only path to victory for the Minnesota Vikings is just to make this a, just a clear shootout. But in the clear shootout, I really don't trust both quarterbacks if it's Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones they're both you know middle average middle of the road average quarterbacks to me but I think that's the only path to victory is you just make it a shootout if you're Minnesota and you're just like okay well we got Justin Jefferson we got TJ Hawkinson we got Adam Thielen we got Dalvin Cook we have better offensive weapons than you we know we're not going to be able to stop you on defense you're probably not going to be able to stop us on defense consistently either so we're just going to make this a shootout that is the biggest path to victory for the Minnesota Vikings, in my opinion. I think that the the Giants can be able to slow down their offense, slow down their running game, maybe get after Kirk Cousins a little bit. And obviously, Kirk Cousins in big games is not played well and is not the same Kirk Cousins as you see on at 1 p.m. on a Sunday, just, just a random 1 p.m. game. So, like I said, I like the Giants in this game. Vikings are a three-point favorite. I think the Giants can win, but I definitely think they'll cover. So I think the bet here is Giants plus three. And then we'll go to the last game of the weekend, and that is going to be the Monday night game. Still don't know if I love these Monday night playoff games. I feel like it's kind of a disadvantage for the teams that play on Monday night. Obviously, the one that advances as well. Now you're advancing in the playoffs, and you're on a short week. Don't love that, but either way, I understand why the NFL is doing it. ESPN is paying them a ton of money to have a Monday night uh, playoff game. So that is exactly why the NFL is doing it. But uh, just to look at the matchup here, obviously, we have the Buccaneers at home. They were obviously the NFC South champions, the four seed hosting the Cowboys. And the Cowboys are currently a two and a half point favorite in this game. Now, this game, I've been back and forth because I could see past the victory for both teams. But just to kind of break it down a little bit, both teams are not coming in very hot. 
Uh, Tampa Bay is two and three in their last five games, and Dallas is coming off just one of their worst performances of the season at Washington, where Dak Prescott and that offense was just awful. Washington held the running game under 100 yards. Dak Prescott had an interception, probably could have had two more maybe that were dropped, and so he just didn't play well. And that's kind of a theme lately for Dak Prescott. He has seven interceptions in his last five games, 14 interceptions in his last 11 games, and is actually tied for the league lead in interceptions on the year, even though he missed five games. So he missed five games and still is tied for the league lead in interceptions for a quarterback. That is not good. I was a Dak Prescott fan, not a big fan, but I thought that he could be a very, you know, above average level quarterback and a guy that can maybe lead them to potentially an AFC, an NFC championship game, or at least lead them to the playoffs consistently and maybe win divisions consistently as well. But he has taken a step back this year. He's looked great in some games and he has looked flat out awful in games. And this is a playoff game. And we just know the MO with the Cowboys lately in the last, you know, two decades. They do not show up well for these playoff games. I don't trust Dak Prescott at this point after watching him for most of the season. I really don't trust Mike McCarthy as a head coach in the playoffs unless he's got Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. But obviously that's not the case right now. So just not a lot of things going well for the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are the more talented team and the team that should be favored and should win this game. But in true Dallas Cowboys fashion, a lot of the times they are the more talented roster and they are the better team, but they don't win. If we flip over to the uh, to the Tampa Bay side, Tampa Bay, like I said, two and three in their last five games, haven't looked like this like the Tampa Bay team we've come to know with Brady there in the last three years. So don't know what to make of it. They are getting healthier on the defensive side and on the offensive line, which is big because those have been both their areas of concern most of the season, especially on the offensive line. They haven't been able to protect Brady to their level that he's expecting to be protected and has been protected so far there as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, but they are getting healthier on the offensive line. And if you watch the game against the Carolina Panthers, now I know the Carolina Panthers weren't a great team. They finished seven and 10, but they were playing a lot better down the stretch than most teams, especially most teams that were right there on the fringe of the playoffs. That was the best game for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, in my opinion, all year. Tom Brady was in sync with Mike Evans, who without a doubt is his best wide receiver, 200 plus yards, three plus touchdowns. He looked in sync. He wasn't hit as much. He wasn't sacked as much, which is huge. Because obviously, even when Tom Brady was a Patriot and for most of his career as a Patriot, if you can get after Tom Brady and hit him and get him off his spot and make him uncomfortable, that's how you beat Tom Brady. And we've seen all these his entire his entire career with the Patriots. When that happens, that was usually when he lost the games, obviously against the Giants, against the Broncos a couple of times when Peyton Manning was there. So that is going to be the key for the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys have the personnel for that. You have Demarcus Lawrence, you have Micah Parsons. But this defense has not been the same defense that we saw earlier in the season. They haven't been getting pressure nearly as much. And the secondary has been torched. Outside of Trayvon Diggs, they don't really have a guy that they can lean on to to kind of shut down receivers. So I think Brady might be able to kind of feast off of this uh Dallas secondary, obviously with Mike Evans, with Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Cameron Brake, Kate Otten. He's going to be able to kind of get his in the passing game against this um, against this uh, Dallas secondary. So, like I said, I've been back and forth. You, looking at that line, Dallas on the road, Monday night, minus two and a half point favorites, back and forth. But for me, it comes down to I don't like what I'm seeing from the Cowboys in the last couple of weeks. 
Dak Prescott has not played well, as I mentioned earlier. I don't trust Mike McCarthy in these moments. And I know Brady hasn't looked like the Tom Brady we've seen for most of his career this year, for most of this year. But I trust him a hell of a lot more than I trust Prescott and McCarthy, especially in January, especially in the postseason. So I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and roll with the Buccaneers to cover. And I think they win as well. So give me the Buccaneers plus two and a half to get a victory at home. I think either team that wins this, that's their ceiling. I don't see them winning multiple games in the playoffs, but give me the Buccaneers plus two and a half this weekend. So that was my wildcard breakdown. That has been my show for the day. As I mentioned before the show, this is going to be a short, uh, a short episode, just kind of breaking down the wildcard weekend. Not, not a ton of sports news going on outside. I will get to the NBA uh, a little bit further, kind of uh, as the NFL winds down. And as we get past the NFL, I will get to the NBA more college basketball as soon as uh, March Madness gets close as well. I love that time of year. But as always, thank you for watching on YouTube my last three videos and thank you for listening on all the different all the different podcast stations whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, uh, anywhere you find your podcast, you can find this podcast and thank you for listening. As always, this is Sports Talk on a Budget. My name is Cody. I'll always be your host. Please like and follow the pages on my social media channels that is going to be on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter, and TikTok. And please go watch the uh, YouTube video, like and subscribe, comment uh, any comments that you think about my picks or anything that I talk about on the podcast. Thank you for, again for listening and have a great day.